Well, welcome to week two of our series, Thrill of Hope. And I love the title of this series because I love what it represents. The word thrill, to me it represents or sounds like, makes me think about a thrill ride. Maybe you've been to an amusement park and you've ridden a roller coaster and you've experienced the the anticipation, the anxiety almost of the climb to the top before the big fall where it takes your stomach and you receive the thrill of the thrill ride. I think our lives are just a lot like that. I think you and I experience life in the exact same way. I think there's a lot of ups and I think there's a lot of downs and there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of anticipation and then there's a lot of fun and then you find yourself in the strain or the stress of the moment all over again. Life works a lot like that and that's why every single one of us need hope in our life. The single most important thing that you and I could possess is hope. Hope makes the difference in trying again or going another day or giving it one more chance. And you and I can experience the thrill of hope. And all of this comes out of one of my favorite verses of scripture in Isaiah chapter 9. And here's what it says. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Those who walk in darkness will see a great light. In other words, hope is on the way. Change is coming. Possibility and potential is available for you, all because of the one that will come, who is the light of the world, and his name is Jesus. Long before Jesus would be born into this world, the hope of this world would be given to those who were walking in darkness. And I love that it says, to those who walk in a land of deep darkness. As I watch the news, as I have conversations with people, as I hear what's happening in lives, I understand that there are many people walking in deep darkness, especially this time of year. Many people struggle worse than any other time of the year right here at the holidays. You feel the darkness. You feel the depression. You're struggling with the temptation of that addiction. You feel the strain of loss. You feel the difficulty in your relationships. There are many of us who need to experience the thrill of hope. But there's good news today that those who walk in deep darkness, a light will shine. Last week, we really learned about uh, the involvement of God in our life and how much he loves us and how involved he is with us. And today, I want to take it a little step farther in Luke chapter 1. So if you've got your notes there online or if you want to grab a Bible and turn, we'll be in Luke chapter 1. And I titled your message today, The Weary World Rejoices. The weary world rejoices. I want to learn today from Scripture, discover how those of us who are weary in our darkness, who are walking through difficult time, how even though we may be in a season of weary living, we can still rejoice. See, joy comes not because of the circumstances that are around us, but because of the resolution that God has put inside of us. And so I want to learn today about how the weary world can rejoice. And we're going to talk through an incredible, beautiful song in the New Testament, in the book of Luke, chapter 1, written by Mary, the mother of Jesus. Many of you know the Christmas story, and you know about Mary and how 
She was an unwed uh, virgin teenager who God selected and told her, you're going uh, to be the mother of the Savior of the world. What pressure for anybody, uh, much less a teenage uh, young girl. And at that moment, she has to explain to all of her family, all of her friends, why she's pregnant. Uh, she has to tell everybody, oh, God did this. And come on, we know that most people don't believe what we say. And it sounds crazy and sounds like she's on something or she's trying to cover something up that Joseph took advantage of her or she made a bad decision. I mean, just like today, the same thing that you would think if someone said that to you is exactly what Mary, uh, what she had to walk through when she told everyone what God was going to do through her life. And so as she's in this moment of what I would consider a, a dark moment of weary living, of being scared, of being anxious, of, of all the pressure that she's feeling, it's her response that changes everything. We see in Luke chapter 1, and the verses we're going to talk about today, is called the Magnificat. It means to magnify the Lord. It's a song that Mary began to sing as her reaction to the season of life that she was walking in. See, she had the temptation, just like you and me, to give up or to sit down or to say, I don't want any part of this. I'm not going to do this. She could have tried not to sound crazy and she could have said, I made a mistake and it's Joseph's fault. But instead, from what was within her, the resolution that uh, God had given her and how much she loved the Lord and her closeness to God, we see that she begins to worship and sing a song. You know, there's power in worship. There's power in songs. It can change everything. That's why in church, if you attend church, that's why we sing. It's not just a formality or something that's just a part of the quote-unquote program, but no, worship sets the tone for things. The songs can change the atmosphere. It's Christmas time and we all have our favorite songs that we sing at Christmas. You've got your favorites that you like to listen to on the radio. My favorite, I think, is Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley. I just love it. I don't know why. It's kind of a depressing, sad song, but it is one of my favorites that I look forward to every single year. You know, Travis Tritt, an old country music star back in the 90s and maybe 2000s, used to tell a story of playing in old rundown bars, like biker bars, when he was beginning his career. And he said in those places, oftentimes, fights would break out. People start drinking, they're drinking too much, now they're drunk, now they're mad, and now they're fighting. And he said no matter what season it was in, no matter what time of the year, he would stop and he would begin to play the song Silent Night. And he said as he would begin to play the song Silent Night, people would just get calm. Those drunk guys in those biker bars would stop fighting. They would, they would put their pool sticks down and they would begin to sit on stools. And he said at times, even some of those big strong men, they would begin to weep with tears. Because there's power in a song. And then when you take it a step farther and you begin to direct it to God in a season of weary living, it unlocks the keys to a weary world rejoicing. And so today, I want to take us through Mary's song that she began to sing to the Lord, the Magnificat. 
to magnify the Lord in the midst of her weariness, how she responded in a difficult season of being told you're going to be the very mother of the Savior of the world. And so today, no matter what you're walking through or what your circumstance or situation may be, may you too be able to magnify the Lord in the middle of your darkness. So let's pray before we go into God's Word. Father, I love you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this word. I thank you for every person watching online today. I pray your best over us today. God, as we uncover what your word says to us, in Jesus' name, amen. So right there online, the scripture is on the screen. If you've got your Bible, grab it. Turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 46, and here's what it says. It says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, so to Abraham and his children forever. There's a lot of power in the song that Mary began to sing. You can see the depth of her love for God. You see, Mary is quoting uh, almost verbatim scripture that was written even before her time uh, of, of people who had worshipped and prayed and began to sing the word of God back to God. Now, she wasn't quoting, but she was from her own heart beginning to sing things that she had already deposited into her life. You see, she already had a close relationship with God. See, at this time, she wasn't completely taken off guard. Now, she was surprised what God was telling her. And and she was amazed and she had all the emotions. But see, she knew who God was. And she knew enough that when God spoke or when God said something, that she could trust exactly what God was saying because she had made deposits into her life. It would be like you going to an ATM machine, putting in your debit card and not being able to get any money out of the machine. Now, you've got access, you've got the card, and you've got the code. But unless you've made a deposit, there is nothing to withdraw. I fear that many of us live our lives in such a way that when we are in a weary world season, we can't find a reason to rejoice because when we go to make a withdrawal, we have made no deposits. There is no worship within inside of us. There is no scripture or word of God living inside of us to be able to speak when you can't speak. And so Mary demonstrates to us the, the depth of her relationship with God, the maturity that she had. That her first response in the middle of a weary season is this. Number one, write this down. It's our praise. If we're going to let the weary world rejoice in that season, it's got to come from our praise. Look at verse 46 through 48 with me, and here's what it says. Mary responded. I underline that word responded because that's important. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. 
You see, Mary's response is what set the tone for everything that would happen from there. There is no complaining here. There is no why me. There is no, well, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? There is no, what is my family going to say? There is no trying to cover it up. Instead, she just begins to express her praise back to God. Her response changed everything. She said, my soul, it praises the Lord. She said, my spirit rejoices in my God. You see, her ability to rejoice was because she could rejoice in God. See, many of us are finding, uh, we're trying to find, rather, reasons to rejoice in the middle of a weary season, and we can't find that reason. Many of us will wake up and say, well, everything is bad. It's just all bad. The family's bad. The finances are bad. My health is bad. The kids are crazy. Everything is just bad. You can't find a reason to celebrate when you're in a weary season. But Mary, she found the reason to celebrate. And in her weariness, in the uncertainty, in the difficulty of the moment, her ability to praise was because it was the joy in her God. For he took notice of a lowly servant girl. She said, God of of the entire universe, he sees me, he chose me, he knows me. Of all the people that he could have selected, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be a, a tough road to follow. This is going to be a little weird to explain to everybody. But think about it. God chose me. He trusts me with this. He trusts me with this pressure. He trusts me with this problem. He trusts me with the possibility of what could happen through this situation. Maybe today you're walking through a difficult moment because God trusts you. But here's the question that I want to ask you. In your season of weariness, what is your response? What has your response been? You know, many people will run away from the church. Uh, They'll disconnect from people who love them. They'll disconnect from people who want the best for them. They'll disconnect from people who will challenge them. We'll begin to disconnect from the things that we should be connecting to. Some of us, our response is just to give up, just to quit. I've tried before, I failed, it didn't work, there's no reason to try again. Some of us will turn to things that we think are going to help us cope with the problems that we have. We'll turn to alcohol or a substance. We'll turn to a bad relationship. We'll turn to uh, spending more money than we have, eating more food than we should. We've all got these things that we'll do in a response in order to cope with the situation that we're in. But I want to challenge you that in the middle of your problems, begin to praise. Because praise changes the atmosphere. Look at what the book of James says about problems in our life. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? Look at this right here. Consider it an opportunity for great Joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This is one of the most powerful verses of Scripture for your personal growth in all of the Bible. 
Why? Because every single one of us, 100%, we have problems and we have trouble. We have issues that we deal with. Right now, you've got a laundry list of things that you could write down that you are facing. But the Bible says right here that when you have troubles of any kind that come your way, doesn't matter, big, small, it's important to you, so it's important to God. It's a trouble in your life, any trouble, any problem at all, any category of any level, look. Considered an opportunity for great joy. If I were going to write the definition of receiving joy, uh, problems wouldn't be a part of it. I wouldn't be writing down that uh, issues and difficulties and bad seasons of life and a weary world uh, would not be part of the rejoicing. But the Bible paints a different picture because the Bible says that it's the weary world, the weariness, the trouble, the problems that you face, it creates great joy. Why do you get great joy out of problems? Because your problems produce growth in your life. That's what makes you better. That's what makes you stronger. That's what makes you more mature. It's what makes you more capable. It's what enables you to handle the difficulties and the things that you're facing. See, every one of us should be striving to grow deeper and closer in our relationship with Jesus. The Bible says right here that it gives you a chance to grow. And so that when you grow and your endurance is developed, you'll be complete, lacking nothing. So today, in the midst of your weary world, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So how do you praise when it's bad? These are three little extra things. Maybe write these down. Is you need to learn to worship when it's good. Worship when it's good. See, some of us, we walk into a place of worship. Music is going, and we've got our coffee, and we're sitting, and we're waiting on the song, and we're critiquing what everybody does and how the music sounds, and that's too loud, and I don't really care for this song. And we do all of those things when ultimately we should be connecting our appreciation and our praise back to God. And if you don't know how to worship or praise when it's good, you certainly won't be able to worship or praise when it's bad. See, in a weary season, worship should just be a natural extension of what we've already done. We worship God when it's good, so we worship God when it's bad. We send our praise to Him when everything is going our way, and when we go into a season of weariness, we're able to continue to worship because it's a natural extension of who we are. You need to learn to serve when it's good so that you can serve when it's bad. You see, when you give away what God has given to you, when you are faithful in being a blessing to other people, when you deposit things into those who are struggling, when your season comes of weariness, there's a deposit that's made back into you. Because when you understand you're not the only one going through trouble, you're not the only one facing problems, you're not the only one struggling today, me too. And when I serve you, I recognize I'm not the only one. And when you serve me, you recognize that you're not the only one. And then you need to learn to give when it's good so that you can give when it's bad. So your generosity when you're in plenty and when you're in abundance and when you're in that good season of celebration, well, you need to be giving. 
You need to be honoring the Lord with what He's blessed you with. It's the principle of God that what you sow, so you will reap. And you give it away when everything is good. And I promise you this, you'll learn the principles of how God responds to your obedience and your giving. Therefore, when everything is bad and you're in that weary season, you continue to give because you continue to trust God. Your first response in a season of weariness should be to lift praise to God. Begin today where you are. Begin today thanking God for everything that is good. You find the joy in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the trouble, and you consider it an opportunity to grow. God thinks more of you than you think of yourself. He thought more of that young teenage girl named Mary than anybody else did. See, when everybody else would have doubted her story and what she thought and what she was going through, God didn't have any worries. He said, Mary is the right person for the job she's the right person in the right position at the right time and God thinks the exact same thing about you how does the weary world rejoice it gives praise to God number two it comes from not only our praise but it also comes from our promise how did Mary respond to God in such an authentic way of joy in the midst of a, of a weary season? How did she find the ability to rejoice? Well, it come from her praise because she had a promise. See, when you have a promise, especially a promise from God, it's easy for you to praise. See, look at it with me in Luke 1, 48 says, And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She knew that. That was a promise from God. She knew that what was happening in that moment was far bigger than herself. You see, Mary wasn't so short-sighted that she couldn't see the big picture. Oftentimes, your problems cause you to be so short-sighted that you cannot see the entire picture. One of the, to me, the most coolest experiences that you can have is, is going up in a helicopter. And what I love about it is that it's a slow climb and it begins to put everything into focus. Now, you can get on a commercial uh, aircraft and, and it's quick. You take off and immediately you're up in the air very fast. But when you get in a helicopter and you sit down, it's this slow climb. And things begin to change perspective in real time. And what seems so short and small that you could see on the ground suddenly becomes this vast view of distance and sight from the air. It changes the perspective. You can see things that you could not have seen from on the ground. You can begin to say, oh my, there's my work over there. There's my house over there. There's our church over there. I recognize the school way over there. I can see it all from this perspective. You see that when you get a different view of things and you see a different perspective, it changes the long-term thought process. Mary, in the midst of this weary season, was not short-sighted. You see, she had a large aerial view. She knew the promise straight from God was that not only is she going to be blessed as the very mother of the Son of God, that she would be a part of a miracle that would change the entire world, but not only her, but all generations would call her blessed because of what God was taking her through. Her trial and her trouble was an opportunity for great joy. 
because for generations to come, she would be acknowledged and would be called great. That was a promise given to her by God. Did you know in Luke chapter 1, we know that uh, she heard from the Lord. See, we already know that she had heard from God, that God had sent an angel to give her direction and to give her instruction. See, he came there, he said, don't be afraid, don't, don't, don't worry, don't freak out, but let me tell you what's about to happen. You're pregnant and, and, and your cousin is pregnant and, and God's about to do something really amazing in your life. And, and even though it was probably a little freaky, but she trusted God. She knew God. She knew his word. She knew his heart. She had already had a relationship with him. She knew the scriptures. So she was able to accept what God was speaking over her. And, and I want to ask you a question today. Have you heard from the Lord? See, Mary heard from the Lord. He knew the promise of God. Have you heard from the Lord? Do you know the promises of God? See, the Bible is full. It's rich with promises. It's rich with literally His words written to us, for us. And everything from the, from the front of the book all the way to the back of the book is all so that we see a picture of how much God loves you and how God is committed to you and how God wants good things for you and how God has promised you. You can praise God because you have His promises, but have you heard from the Lord? Did you know that God still speaks today. Don't be freaked out about it. He does. God still speaks to us today. I think there's three primary ways that God speaks. And I think the first is I think God speaks to us through his word. I think we, we often say, well, I don't know how to hear from God. I, I don't, how do you talk to God? I've never seen God. I've never audibly heard his voice. So how do we talk to God? How do we hear from him? Well, he wrote you a whole book. I mean, he wrote you an entire book. Literally from himself, through people who heard from the Lord, given to us, passed down over time, the number one book to survive on the planet from all the different authors written across different continents, across different time spans, and yet it's one story from the beginning to the back of God's love and chase and pursuit for you and for me. All of this was written for you. God wants to speak to you through the promises of his word. I believe God will often use other people. Even myself today. Of all crazy things, of all the crazy people he could pick to choose to use, I'm here today. And I'm telling you this. God sent me here today to give you this word to encourage you so that in the middle of your weary world you can rejoice because you can give him praise because you have a promise. God will give you a word through his word, through other people, and God will speak through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God living intimately and personally in our lives. It's that still, small voice sometimes when you say, I quit, and he says, don't give up. When you say, I won't, and he says, just do it one more time. And when you say, I'll stay, and he says, I need you to go. Those little voices, it's the Lord speaking to you. You need to get to know the voice of God. We can be in a crowded room, and my son can call out to me, and I know his voice. I know it's my son. He can, he can fall down, hurt himself, and cry. There can be kids everywhere, and I will recognize it's his cry. Why? Because I've spent time with him, and I know his voice. Today I'm encouraging you, if you're going to rejoice in the middle of your weary world, you've got to learn the voice of God. You've got to learn how to praise him, and you've got to learn the promises of God. And the number three, here's an incredible way that will encourage you 
to be able to rejoice in the middle of your weary world. Not only is our praise a part of it, not only is the, our promise a part of it, but our proof is a part of it as well. God has proven himself. And so today you can rejoice in a weary season because God's already proven himself to you time and time again. Look in Luke chapter 1, verse 49. Here's what it says. It says, For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. Look at Mary's response. God is so mighty, and he is so holy, and let's not forget, he has done great things for me. Today, God sent me here in this moment to remind you he has done great things for you. Right now, I just want you to, I want you to grab a, a scratch sheet of paper, grab your tablet, tablet, get your phone, begin to list some things that God has done for you. Begin to list the ways that God has been faithful to you. And when you remember what he's done, it will give you great confidence of what he's doing and what he will do. Listen to this. If you don't remember, you forget. And if you forget... You won't believe. And if you don't believe God, you won't trust God. And if you don't trust God, you won't follow God. And if you don't follow God, you'll lead your own way. The weary world rejoices because you're following Him. Because you're chasing after Him. What God has done, you need to record it, write it down. Write down the blessings of God. You need to record it so that you can remember it. And if you can remember it, you can remind yourself of it in times of trouble. I think about all the blessings in my own life that I thank God for. Last weekend, I celebrated 13 years of marriage to my absolute best friend in the world. I love my wife more today than any other day in the past, more than yesterday. She's my favorite. After 13 years, I would still rather spend time with nobody but her. That's a blessing. That's a miracle. That is a blessing from God. And I count it as a blessing every day that she would choose me every day over and over again. What a miracle of God. My son was birthed through a miracle of God. He, he's a miracle kid. Uh, like many of you, you've experienced the miracles with your kids. My kid's a miracle for me. And I thank God for it. I remember what we went through to receive my son. And I'm celebrating the miracle at Cultivate Church. This year, 2021, we've seen 156 salvations. This year, 156 people through a worship experience at Cultivate Church marked on a connect card that today I'm saying yes to Jesus. It changed everything. 156 people. That is a miracle. It's proof of God's goodness. 1,360 people have found Jesus through the life of Cultivate Church since we launched almost 10 years ago. A miracle of God, and he gets all the credit. Every time I'm discouraged, every time I want to give up, you know what happens? He proves himself to me. I have recorded it, I remember it, and I remind myself of it, that God is good. Today, if you're walking in the midst of a weary world, rejoice. Give your praise to God for all of his promises. And you know all of his promises are true because of the proof that he's brought to your life. Today, maybe you're struggling in a season of your life. Maybe this season, this holiday season is extra difficult for you. And I believe two things. Number one, we may be here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You haven't experienced some of the things that I'm talking about today. 
There's good news. You can join the 156 people who've said yes to Jesus this year at Cultivate Church, and today can be your day to say yes to Jesus. And I want to pray that you could do that. Maybe you're watching today and you have a relationship with Jesus, but you've just been struggling. And today is just a reminder to get back in the game, to rejoice, to find it great joy in the middle of troubles and trials. Let the weary world rejoice. I want to pray for you too. Father, right now, I thank you for all of my friends watching online, listening by podcast. God, I pray right now that in this small moment, if there's one of us that does not have a personal relationship with you, that today would be our day. We confess we have sin in our life. We confess that we need you, and we ask you for your forgiveness. So Jesus, today, I make a conscious decision to choose you and to put you first in my life. Thank you for forgiveness and for the salvation I'm receiving today. And God, for all of my friends who are watching today that are just going through difficult seasons, I pray that today, God, you would speak to them. You would encourage them. You would help draw praise out of them. Remind them of your promises today. Show them the proof of all the times you've been faithful in their lives so that they would be encouraged today to give it one more chance, to consider this an opportunity for great joy. Today, God, we choose to let the weary world rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen.